0: Welcome to Science of Life, a podcast that explores life and ideas through the lens of personality, relationship, and faith. We're your
1: hosts, Jen and Elisa.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be discussing the James Joyce quote, in the particular, is contained the universal.
1: Speaking of which... Hmm. I want to observe that I am particularly fond of quotes from famous authors because I think they are universally appealing.
0: Hmm. Huh. Well, universally, that...
1: (laughs) Speaking of which, I want to observe that I am particularly fond of quotes from famous authors because I think they are universally appealing.
0: (laughs) Well, universally, I think that's true because of my particular experience.
1: All right, well, we'll talk more about what all this means soon, but first, our producer Erin has a question for us.
0: Yay!
1: Yes, I do, and
2: you guys are way too smart for me, and so (laughs) this is my question for you. As you already said, you're going to be talking about the James Joyce quote in the particular contains the universal. And I want to ask you about two of the words in the quote that I would like you to define. Oh, no. Because I know that there are times when I think I know the meaning of a word and I assume the understanding and it's not right. So I'm going to give you both a chance to define each of the words. <laughs> oh, man. Are okay. you ready? Okay, so Jen... <laughs> <laughs> what does particular mean in the James Joyce quote? Um, I would say individual. Okay. In, in the detail. Hmm. Individual and in the detail. Mm-hmm. Okay, Elisa, mm-hmm. what does
1: universal mean in the James Joyce quote? Applying to all. Huh. Or applicable to all. Okay, well... I'm glad you answered these questions.
2: Do you have more to say, Elisa? She's going to disagree with my definition.
1: Well, it's <laughs> funny that individual was the first. Because I hear particular and I think about details, which you said, you said right after mm-hmm. individual. Mm-hmm. But I don't think of the word particular as being a personal mm-hmm. term. And the word individual is a personal term.
2: Mm, that can change the way you think about the quote.
0: Yes, but I think individual can also be objective.
2: <laughs> um, get ready, uh, folks.
1: This is, <laughs> this is gonna be up. worse than
2: the Roybos <laughs>
1: debate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this James Joyce quote in yes. the particulars contain the universal. Uh, first is just a disclaimer for the conversation that is about to ensue. It might be a little meandering. <laughs> It might be a little philosophical. (laughs) So come with us as we explore this idea of what it actually means. Of what it actually means. Um, And it's possible that we don't really fully understand it, either of us, or it's possible that we will come to a more complete understanding of this quote by the end Mm. of our conversation. We can hope for the best. One can only hope. (laughs) I think it's funny. Erin asked us to define those two words, um, particular and universal. And it's interesting. She asked you to define particular, which I think of as details. Mm -hmm. And she asked me to define universal, which I think of as big picture. Mm -hmm. And you, Jen, are the N, Mm -hmm. more of a big picture thinker. Yeah. And I'm an S, more of a detail thinker. Yeah. This quote is like meshing our two personalities
0: it is it is it's kind of cool actually right when you think about it from that
1: perspective it's also driving a wedge between us
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: I came (laughs) across I came across this quote for the first time kind of recently and I came across it in the context of writing advice and I loved it so much when I read it and then I mentioned it to Jen and to Aaron, and Jen like bristled because she was familiar with the quote already, but had heard it applied in different contexts. And so, Jen, you think of this quote in kind of a different way than I do. Yes. And so I said, I think we should talk about it on the podcast. And at first, we were like, well, but could we actually fill a whole episode talking about this quote? But then Jen, Aaron, and I spent so much time texting back and forth about it and talking about it. Finally, we were like, okay. We're going to talk about it on the podcast mm-hmm. so here we are so here we are bringing all of you along
0: the great debate of 2019 <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is the great debate of 2019 okay so when i came across a quote as i said it was in the context of writing advice and it actually really gave a lot of clarity to me about how to write about things because i have a tendency i like to write i typically If I'm writing, it's just on my blog. So when I first came across this quote, as I said, it was in the context of writing advice and it was really, really helpful for me because I like to write. But when I write, I have a tendency to want to over explain. And so if there's some idea that I'm trying to communicate, it, it's like I, I want to explain the whole idea in kind of too stark terms sometimes, and this was helpful. That it, this idea that in the particulars is contained the universal, that you can tell a story to communicate a bigger, more universal truth without mm. having to like break it down and explain what every piece of it means. That people get it when mm. they're reading something that's true. Yes. They can, they can draw the bigger point out of a particular story that's told. And so it helped give clarity to me hmm. in how I write. And it was really useful. But Jen, that's not how you heard it. No, that's not how I heard it. Um, I came
0: across it when I was um, probably on some, I don't know, personality internet search or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, you know, I like to geek out on things that we don't really talk too much about on the podcast, <laughs> um, like cognitive functions and things like that. <laughs> but, um, for certain, um, personality, certain, a certain of the half, half of the personality types use, of uh, the feeling function that deals with like their personal experience and authenticity is kind of the focus of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of looked at as like a, it can, like it can be selfish and which it can be. Um, let's be honest. Cause I have that. So I know that's a tendency that I have, but, um, it's very like personally focused on your own experience and your referencing and your framework is built off of that. Um, and the quote came in to kind of explain like, when you have a, an experience that feels personal and unique to yourself, it's, it is a gateway or it's like a window into a universally applicable experience. So even though it feels like I, you might feel like I'm the only one going through this, or I don't, I've never, I I don't, it's just like a, a way to say that I've experienced this, therefore lots of other people have as well. It's almost like an empathy tool. Okay. A method of stepping into someone else's shoes. Um, and that's kind of how the the quote was applied to this to this idea. The
1: personality mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. Okay. So, well, let, let's let look at the root of where it came from. Um, it's James Joyce, as we said, and honestly, I've read nothing by James Joyce. Mm-hmm. He wrote Ulysses, which is one of those books that if you haven't read it, I don't know, I, I, I see it spoofed all over the place. And you see books or, you know, memes or whatever that take classic novels and reduce them down to mm-hmm. like a five minute version or a single sentence version or something like that. And I feel like anytime I see a reference to Ulysses, it just talks about how long and rambling it is <laughs> for so long. Have you read the book? Um I own
0: it and I remember trying to read it a long time ago and it was impossible <laughs> at the time to even like comprehend. It hurt my brain. Oh yeah. I picked it up today. And I started reading it. It still hurts my brain, but I did make it through a bit of it, A actually. bit of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's not pleasurable to read. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he, here I am wanting to take advice from the man who wrote this book that I've never read and most people consider rather difficult to get through. And I'm like, this is great advice. So, I mean, take that with a grain of salt. But yeah. he wrote the book Ulysses and... uh shortly after that, he was telling somebody, I don't know if this was in the context of a letter or an interview or what, but he told somebody, this is the bigger context for this quote that he had. He said, for myself, I always write about Dublin because if I can get to the heart of Dublin, I can get to the heart of all the cities of the world. In the particular is contained the universal. And uh, this was included in an article about James Joyce, and the author of the article talks a bit about how he tended, James Joyce tended to write about really mundane things, like just regular people, Mm. um, instead of wealthy people or elite people He was writing about mundane things, trying to find bigger truths about humanity Mm. in general, from just ordinary daily life. Mm. So that was sort of the context for it. That's what prompted him to say it. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What you were saying is illustrated in different, um, like we were saying that parables, you were saying this. Yes. Are a, a, a reflection of that idea.
1: Right. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, let's let's start with parables. Because I, I think this thing that James Joyce said is true. I think we see it in so many different ways. And I think it's why... Storytelling is such a powerful tool for communicating ideas and for communicating truth. And so, yes, take it back to the Bible. I was thinking about the parable Jesus told in uh, Matthew 18 about the, what do they call him, the unforgiving servant or something. There's the servant who goes to the king because he owes a great deal of money and the king forgives his debt. Mm, And then mm -hmm. that servant turns around and finds another servant who owes him a little bit of money and he does not forgive the debt and treats that other person very cruelly. And the king finds out about it and says, how I extended mercy to you. It was wrong for you not to extend Mm. mercy to him. And then he's ultimately punished. And so, um, you know, you can say mercy is is an important value and you can talk a lot about mercy or you can tell this story that evokes a lot of emotion as you listen to this parable you feel angry at the servant who doesn't show mercy to the other one Mm -hmm. um and so that that drives that point home in an even more powerful way than just saying mercy is important yeah um, and so, and we know that, I mean, we know instinctively that good storytelling communicates big ideas, but that's the thing. You don't, you don't even have to make a big deal out of mercy when you're telling that story. You just tell the story and the truth is there. Mm-hmm. Or I was saying that a story like, uh, Les Mis and, mm-hmm. um, Jean Valjean's story is all about grace and redemption.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I don't know how often the words grace and redemption are actually used in this story. We just see that. It's so clear. Um, Jean Valjean's character is shown grace. He experiences redemption. And then he turns around and provides the same for others. Mm-hmm. And it's so inspirational because, you know, so you've got this one very specific story that communicates a hugely important truth. Mm-hmm. So that's how I see this quote being applied.
0: Mm. Which makes sense, I mean, there's the idea that a story would communicate in a in a much deeper and more profound way a truth than just like communicating the rule itself um there I remember reading about this like uh like remote Inuit society that they basically just like train their kids be a story so like there was they're near this like dangerous body of water and their kids never went near the water because they told their kids of this story about a really horrible sea monster that like mm-hmm. came out of the ocean and apparently the story impacted these kids so much that they they didn't go near the water for a really long time because it just that sense of the story was powerful enough uh-huh. they didn't need to be you know like quote unquote disciplined to not go near the water because of the story Yeah, um, so I do think that's I think what we're doing. So, so when you're explaining that, I think that it's almost like two sides of one of the same coin. So sometimes I think certain personality types look at their own personal story of their life and what they're going through. Um, and they have a hard time realizing that it's actually translating to something that is universal. Uh So, I, um, if I'm experiencing something like, like, let's say, for example, um, I've had, I've had a couple of, uh, miscarriages. We'll just go, we'll just, it's a little heavy, but that's where I'm going with this. Um, I've had, I knew people who had had them before I did. And in my mind, I knew it was a really sad, horrible experience. It was something that I feared. It was something that, you know, I certainly didn't want it to happen to me, but I didn't know what that was like Mm -hmm. personally so when I would support people who had gone through it I did not feel emotionally involved in it Mm -hmm. um when I experienced it myself it became this because because I was going through that grief um, and the loss all of a sudden any story of another woman experiencing that became like I was able to empathize with that because it became this oh we all most of us have dealt with this in some way shape Uh or form you know like if you a lot of a lot of pregnancies in that way so um it's not through the official story I think what he's saying is that you you look at what Dublin was like you know as a city and you see all the cities I look at my own story and I see everybody's story Uh and um so I think that's kind of what it was what what that what they were saying it meant I think some personalities look at themselves as a story maybe more than Hmm. others if that makes sense yes so um so I've just kind of jotted down because I was trying to explain it because I feel like I'm not
1: well, it, and ex- explain what, because everything you're saying is making sense, mm-hmm. but explain why it rubbed you the wrong way, because I heard it as a quote that was like encouraging to me in how I look at the world and then in, t- in turn, how I might possibly write about it. But it kind of bugged you. I feel like the quote itself the bugged qu- me. Yeah. Or maybe how people have chosen to apply Oh okay. The quote.
0: Um maybe I just didn't under Because you when we when you first s- started talking about it yeah. it was like, oh I had never heard it that way before. I think because I had heard it differently. Well because you and, initially
1: said, "Oh that's such a something something thing." Like you you attached it to a certain way of thinking when I first brought it up. Hmm. And it seemed like it was sort of a negative association
0: well I'll I'll say this that um well okay so if there is a negative association so you had brought up an article that I think I
1: also saw the one on medium uh, yes which is a terrible place that's a side (laughs) note I I used I used to put post on medium Medium. I'm not a fan
0: It is interesting. I do I well see I'm intrigued by Medium. I do like that it's kind of this collection of all different things. I like the idea
1: of medium. I don't like the reality of medium. Oh (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um
0: so like I said, I think there is a selfish element, a self absorbed, self focused element. This post on medium
1: for sure. She she uses the quote. And then yes. talks all about her own personal truth and how she must speak her truth to the world. <laughs> Which, Which I, don't... I mean, it's very, it's very culturally oh, yeah.
0: apropos. I'm going to use a $5 word there, right? I mean, it is like in
1: line. Right. But it's not what James Joyce meant. It's not what he meant. That's, well, I don't know. He was I a bit think... of a
0: forward thinker. <laughs> not that far. I do well. People they were saying though. I think I re- I did read a little bit about him that he was more of that. Like, was he a millennial? He might have been an, a millennial <laughs> back in the twenties. <laughs> um, in nineteen twenty. <1920. laughs> but the idea of like your own personal truth is, I think that is a personality-based thing. Really, more I than I a do. culturally
1: based thing.
0: I think. Well, I think it's both, but. So, so for the ENFP, INFP, there is this idea of kind of live and let live. Um, it's It's like the, not the social obligation. The so like, do you know what I'm, I'm trying to, to like, is, so I think because with that, with that mentality of what's good for me may not be good for you. That's good for you. It's very natural for me to be like, you do you. That's a very natural thing for me to think. Right. And and I can even apply that in terms of truth. Like, oh, that might be true for you in your circumstances, but that's not true for me.
1: You're saying that's something you might find yourself? Oh, yes. Thank you. Oh. Absolutely. Okay. So I was going to say (laughs) (laughs) that there is truth that exists and there are truth is not subjective and so when this quote is applied to people's experiences and the label of truth is slapped onto an experience because like because you experience something therefore it's true and we all have our own truths and our own experiences that that's not like I'm I'm seeing this quote in terms of there is truth and it's our duty to discover truth. And when you tell a story or when you interact with somebody's life and it reveals something that is true, true not just a subjective experience, but part of the truth. I mean, that's why I talked about Jean Valjean is like the, the story of grace and redemption reflects a bigger, truer story that his story points us towards. And so I feel like this is about finding objective truth and connecting to it versus saying, this is my experience. That's your experience. And together it all is like knit into this web that creates an overall universal experience. I don't think they're is mutu- this making any sense. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and I don't think that what we're saying is mutually exclusive. Okay. And part of the reason is because I think sometimes like we've talked about like th- thinkers for example are reliant on facts, right? And they make decisions I think like at the thinkers I know are very proud about the fact that they make decisions based on f- facts. Mm-hmm. But in that case the thinker is only as good as the facts they know and facts do change. I mean... What do you mean
1: facts change?
0: Like, for example, Einstein's theory of relativity was... Theory. Theory, right, was debunked, but it was held as a scientific like, this is how it is until it wasn't that way anymore or even like medical science this is how it is until it's proven to not be that anymore so I do think there is objective truth absolutely I do think that we are finite in our ability to understand and know things so what we think could be an objective unfallible there is objective infallible truth there absolutely is I agree 100% with that. I think we can have false ideas or incomplete understandings of things. I also think that we're all, we are different. We are very different in how we were like, we talked last time about nurture and response to crisis and how, you know, ISFJs will share certain traits cognitively, Mm -hmm. but because of nurture and how they were brought up, maybe they respond differently in a crisis because of their upbringing, I think maybe, and maybe, you know what, maybe it's the way we're using the word truth. Like maybe it's the word, the way we're using it because we were talking about authenticity earlier too, like how sometimes maybe we use these words and they get like, we get confused. And even Erin, your point at the beginning of like words that you hear and you associate these meanings with them. So it could be that I'm saying the word truth and I am meaning something different
1: well and the power of language is strong and at the beginning for the word particular you said individual Mm -hmm. and then you sort of amended it to say details and I I think it's both I would have just said details
0: yeah yeah because I am attaching I am attaching it to like the one thing can point to the universal like I I think a one person's experience can be something that is universally, yeah, and and it's a tool of empathy, too. Like that's kind of definitely, you know.
1: I so I keep thinking about this quote in terms of storytelling, and um, someone applied it to Shakespeare, which of course, James Joyce said this much after shakespeare but there's a reason shakespeare has stood the test of time and it's because he understood well it's probably for a variety of reasons but (laughs) um for the sake of this conversation he understood human character Mm -hmm. well and i think about literature that does continue on and i mean jane austen that's one of the things that she was so good at was just understanding people Mm. and so um whether you agree or disagree with every opinion that Jane Austen had about human nature or every opinion that Shakespeare had about human nature. There was an overall sense of really like getting it, like getting what people are like and being able to communicate that through the way that they wrote. And that's why those stories continue to resonate because Mm. human nature has not fundamentally changed over time. The way we speak has changed and our social norms have changed. And obviously life looks very different for us than it did for Hamlet, Mm -hmm. but... Mm -hmm. (laughs) human nature has not fundamentally changed and Shakespeare understood it and Jane Austen Mm. understood it. And that's why those stories resonate with us because deep down we understand it too. And so it's like they were telling universal truths through the particular stories that they told.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess again, the idea of I, the idea of I'm living a story also Mm -hmm. that does apply to unit like that points to universal truth right
1: well and so it is an interesting focus because I don't think so much about the story I'm living I mm. think about the bigger story and like wondering how I'm connected to it mm. whereas it's kind of flipped maybe like I'm living a story how does the bigger story connect to mine Whereas I'm saying there is a bigger story how does my story connect to it mm. which may seem like a nuance of word but I think or of language but it it may be a I don't know, a, a different kind of emphasis. Mm-hmm. I, like I can see where there would be, you could see sort of a selfish application to that quote if the focus is just on what is my story Well, versus even how from, does it connect to the big story? I don't know.
0: Even from my perspective, because again, there, I think there's the difference in the way that we are looking at it um, because I need to come out of the selfishness out of that selfish perspective so when you said that i'm looking at my story and then seeing how the bigger story connects to me i do think i wasn't saying you no 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 no. (laughs) but i do think that's true i'm taking it because i think that what you said is a true struggle that i have because i think you're right like i think there needs to be that view of oh i fit into something else not everything fitting to me Mm. um but i do think that's something that i have to remind myself of You may not have to though. And I think that is a personality based. So the question is, what
1: was James Joyce's personality? I think he was an INFP. (laughs) Which fits in with what you're saying.
0: Yeah. But I think he understood. Yeah. He understood that because of his approach to knowing that each individual person has a life that they're living with these circumstances and experiences and it doesn't, like there's a tendency f- to feel like you're the only one or you're this special, like mm-hmm. unique person, mm-hmm. but you're really, none of us are really all that unique at all. No, not one single person is right. actually all that
1: unique. I agree.
0: Yeah. So, but that's like hard for me to realize.
1: Uh, that there's so much that we all have in common.
0: Yeah. I like to think I'm special. <laughs> so because of that, it's, he, I think he understood through storytelling that like maybe it was a process that he was learning that like Mm -hmm. looking at that, you know, the Dublin as, as the example of the rest of human nature. It was like this Petri dish of Mm -hmm. human nature. Mm -hmm. Um, From a storytelling perspective, some, I think some personalities are more inclined to need that kind of a lesson than others.
1: Interesting. Well, we have spent, you know, <laughs> nearly 20 minutes or half an hour. I don't know. Discussing it here, we've spent much more time than that discussing it not right here. Um, To our listeners, we would love to know if we totally lost you <laughs> <laughs> or if you like this quote. Tell us if you've read Ulysses because we'd like to know what you thought of that yeah. and if we should give it our time. Um, Let us know. Let us know what you think. Meanwhile, Aaron has been part of these conversations with us and uh, is obviously here with us right now. Did you have any thoughts, Aaron, to add well, to it? Yes. And I was thinking, because I, I get to just
2: sit here and listen to you guys mm-hmm. talk through these things, but I was thinking about my kids and how oftentimes when we're dealing with something with them individually, like um, whether it's obedience, like obeying first time and those kind of things with our younger kids. um, That is usually something that I'm struggling with even in my own relationship. Um, Not with my husband, but with the Lord, like Mm -hmm. um, in my walk with the Lord of obedience first time. And I think that is a picture also of just like that particular and universal idea of how there's patterns in our world that um, kind of connect even between a parent and their child.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because we're talking about like, is Jen's experience the same as my experience? Is the same as someone else's, or is, or is Dublin like Phoenix, Arizona, or you know? But you're even looking at generationally mm-hmm. um, the fact that you're older and your kids are younger doesn't mean that, like that even there that human nature has fundamentally changed. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. really interesting idea that your kids can be struggling with the same things that you're struggling with, especially in the context of our walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it just looks different. Right.
0: Well, and we're told, cause I feel like what you're doing a little bit there too, or what I do as well, you're, it's almost like you're realizing like if you step into their shoes and you realize what their issues are like what they're dealing with and you're like oh you see that in mm-hmm. yourself like mm-hmm. you know that that's true for you right it's it's just something that we all struggle nature, with yeah right? yeah yep. it's that idea and, and in storytelling we are stepping into their shoes mm-hmm. we're seeing ourselves and then we see others people you know it's like kind of this idea of like connecting mm-hmm. and learning like you were saying more about human nature seeing it not only in the story but in yourself and then the people in your life and ultimately I think that's kind of the goal of all of it though like through storytelling the quote itself I think it's just pointing to like
2: Mm -hmm. I don't know he's understanding something yeah yeah
0: yeah and like so there are so many levels to understanding Mm -hmm. all of it so
1: Well, after all of that, we have come to our time for winks and drinks. And Jen, I think you've got a wink for us this week?
0: I do. I do have a wink.
1: It's going to shock our listeners. It is. It is. Um, so I
0: don't know if you've heard, but, <laughs> but the newest season of the Great British Baking Show is on Netflix.
1: And is it good?
0: I really love it.
1: Do you love it with a new I haven't watched since Mary and the two hosts left and got yes. switched out. Do you, do you like the dynamic of the new? The I new didn't hosts? at
0: first. I was very sad because I do love the original so much. Me too. Um, however they've really grown on me. Yeah? Yes. They've grown on me a lot. And especially the new judge, Prue, I really like her. Really? A lot. Yes, but it did take a while to warm up to her. Yeah, yeah. And it has the same, like, happy, it's nobody's so happy. angry. They're very nice to the loser. It still has all of that going for it, you know?
1: They're so, with with very few exceptions, I feel like American reality TV has when people get voted off there's a lot of bitterness and like oh they picked the wrong person or i got or they're trash talking yeah or yeah and so when i first started watching the great british baking show and every person who got voted off was like i just am so thankful that i had this opportunity and there was so much graciousness and thankfulness yes and no drama well i mean a A A little here and there, but even the drama is polite. I don't know. It's it's true. Does our quote, our James Joyce quote, apply to the Great British Baking Show, Jen? Is there something particular that's communicated in the Great British Baking Show that's also universal? Oh, man. Is it the love? Because, I mean, the food they make is not just delicious, but it's beautiful. Is Mm. there like a universal appeal to beautiful, delicious food or... Like, what is it about that show that draws people in
0: universally? Universally, the particular nature of the show that draws people in. Perhaps the fact that there is so much creativity and, um, you know, you're watching these people work so hard. Everybody's working so hard towards the same goal and you're watching them struggle or succeed Yeah, and you just see yourself in that and you wish, it's like the people who are struggling well, you wish you could be like that or you could come back the next day for the showstopper and try really hard to just pick up from where you, like if you had a really bad day the day before, I find myself thinking that a lot when I watch it and I wonder if other people do too, like the desire to emulate the perseverance and the desire to recover and do well and in the face of failure, you know.
1: Well, and one of the cool things about it is that the people they bring onto the show are normal people who bake as a hobby. Yes. Not as, you know, professional bakers. Right. And so it feels like that could be me. Totally. Like, I I that's not so far-fetched.
0: Even though it is. I mean the things they're making, it's like, "Oh, I don't make pastry
1: right but, but when it goes back and shows them in their homes I mean their oh, yeah. their moms or their teachers yep. or their engineers or their totally. gardeners I mean they're just living their lives mm-hmm. and baking for fun and then they have this really cool opportunity yes yeah
0: I really love like every aspect of it
1: it's a good one It is. it is well and our drink this week is a wine this time not a tea Um, And it's called Storyteller Wine. And Todd first bought me a bottle of this maybe a year ago um, because he thought I would like the name of it, which I do. And these wines, these Storyteller wines are so good. We usually get the Cabernet, which is what we're having right now, but they have some white wines as well that are super delicious. And the only thing is that I've only ever seen them at Fry's, the grocery Mm. store Fry's. And if you're listening and you don't have a Fries near you, um, it's the Kroger brand, which I've seen other places around the country, too. I don't know what stores sell Kroger. So I, I don't know what Fry's relationship with this vineyard is or if they have one or why I've only ever found this wine at Fry's. But if you're in a Fries, or a store that sells Kroger products, maybe, I don't know, go find yourself a bottle of Storyteller wine. I concur. Yeah? It's lovely. I really like it. Also, there is a bird in the background.
0: I feel like every time I talk, he gets excited.
1: He loves your voice, Jen.
0: All right. Well, join us next time for when we talk about traditions.
1: Bye for now. Bye for now. This episode is brought to you by Show It. Are you stuck in a boring website template? Experience true creative freedom with the drag-and-drop simplicity of a ShowIt website. Get started for free at showit.co.